couple times. So, um, you know, we just want to welcome you out. It's great to have you every year. We just seem like the Lord blesses it more and more. And so uh, I get to introduce my dear friends, Brother Ted and his wonderful wife, Sister Carolyn. And they're up here from Florida. They love the weather. I told them it's like this all the time in Montana. Isn't that right? All the time. So <laughs> we're sure grateful for you, brother. Do you have a microphone down there somewhere? I'm getting ready. Don't lose that. Things get lost around here. All right. We love you all. It's great to have you. Give them a big welcome. Praise the Lord. Well, let's give Jesus a hand this morning if you love him. Amen. Praise God. We're so glad to have you. And let me ask, I didn't get to see the hands, but how many today is your first day in these meetings? Lift your hand. We're so happy to have you. Would you put your hands together one more time? Welcome them. So glad to have you. And um, I don't want to cut you short. We did something uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I really felt heavily in my spirit to begin to teach, and I did a whole week-long series on this, the importance of what you say, what you confess by faith uh, out of your mouth. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. And the Bible teaches us words carry power. The words you speak carry power. And so we went through this, and <laughs> I've traveled all over America and to other countries, and I've found that not every Christian is saying what the Bible says, but you got to say what the Bible says, amen. And uh, as we speak by faith, it is the things we speak by faith that begin to manifest into the things God wants. That's not a new age principle, as some think. That's a biblical principle that Jesus taught in uh, Mark chapter 11 to his disciples, It's taught in the Old Testament. It's taught in the New Testament that your words carry power. Amen. And so uh, I did this this series for about a week called 50 Life-Changing Confessions That You Must Speak. And after we finished that, we put it together in PDF form. We wanted to give it to you as a gift. So it's absolutely free. But if you'd like to get a copy of that, you can scan that QR code with your phone and download that. We don't just give you the 50 confessions. But on top of that, we also give you all of the verses of Scripture that each confession is based upon so that as you're speaking over your life, over your family, your children, you are saying what the Bible says. Amen. I don't ever tell people uh, how I feel. I'm not going, I feel like I'm coming down with something. No, you know what I'm saying, Sid? No, I thank God I got resurrection power flowing through my body. Hallelujah. I thank you, that I've, Lord, that I've got healing virtue flowing through me right now. You know, I wake up in the morning, I declare this every day. I say it all the time. Not only is resurrection power flowing through my body, not only is healing virtue flowing through my body, but right now the anointing's getting into every part of my flesh. My organs are receiving a touch today. Amen. My bones are receiving a touch today. My joints. Hallelujah. And that everything God created in me is functioning as he created it to function in Jesus' name. And you begin to speak like that, talk like that. You don't, you don't look at the news and say, oh, man, I, can't, I don't know what's going to happen in America. We're in trouble now. No, I don't tell people we're in trouble <laughs> all through 2020, 2021. I kept hearing pastors get up in the pulpit and say, folks, we need to pray. The church is in trouble. I said, Lord, I, I got so irritated hearing that. The Lord said, when you go to churches, I want you to begin to preach this message. And literally, he said, don't preach a sermon 
I believe I did it here too because we came here in 2020. He said, don't preach a sermon the first Sunday you're with them, but give them this message. And I turned to Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 10 where the Bible says, say unto the righteous, it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Hallelujah. But woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him. For what his hands have dealt out to others shall be done unto him. And I began to teach this, that you, there's nobody big enough to put the church in trouble. There's no demon big enough. The devil's not big enough. It was Jesus who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. No, we say what God said. And when you say what God said, you can never be wrong. Amen. I'm going to say that again. When you say what God said, you can never be wrong. Can you say amen to that? So they'll leave that up if you want to grab that. That's our gift to you. We want to say thanks for being with us. Uh, we're so blessed to be with you. I love Montana. I love Wyoming. I love this area of the country. It is so beautiful. It really is. Like I thought, you know, when I heard the whole big sky thing, you know, I thought it was just like a term that people would say. Then I came here, and it's weird how the sky can actually look different in different parts of America. You know, our nation, by the way, is a very unique nation, the United States of America. Um, I talk to people, they come over from Europe, they can't believe how vast, same with Canada, how vast the nation is. You know, if you go to, if you go to Europe, and you're a football player, which they, here we call soccer. If you're a soccer player, you can go all over Europe in a very uh, quick amount of time. Jump on a train. You're in another country before you know it. You know, you can get all over um, England and you can get all over Wales and Scotland very quickly. Uh, but then they come over here and play for our teams in the United States. And they're like, what do you mean there's an away game that's 1,300 miles away? You know, <laughs> they're not used to that. But it's a, it's a different. And when you come to the United States of America, it's amazing how there are so many different sections. You've got tropical. You've got, I mean, everything. Uh, this country encom encompasses every different type of thing. So when I first came to Montana and looked up at the sky, I was blown away to see that's a real thing. Big Sky is a real thing, and I've just been amazed since I've been coming in 2020, since 2020. My wife is fully in love with Montana. She's ready to come on up and move to Montana. It's because she's not experienced a Montana winter yet. And um, she grew up in Florida, South Florida, and uh, it's a completely different world in Montana. <laughs> oh, my God. February, you're just praying, Lord, come, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. <laughs> We're ready for the rapture, even now, Lord, even now. But it is so gorgeous here. I love being here, and I love being in Wyoming when we go. Uh, it's, you're blessed to have such a beautiful place to live and such wonderful people that live here. Everybody here that I've met is so kind, so nice, and uh, it's, it's a blessing to be around God's people that have such, as pastors said, such a love in their heart. And uh, I love you. I'm so thankful to be with you for these few days. I was meditating this morning as I was praying in the Holy Spirit, and I just started giving thanks to God for the blood of Jesus. And uh, I text Pastor Jordan quickly right after that. I said, I, I, don't, I don't know if you do, but if you have uh, communion that we could, we could pass out, and today before the service is over, we're going to receive communion together, and I, you may have already received the elements. But I started to just give God thanks for the blood of Jesus this morning. Anybody thankful for the blood that was shed? And um, I, got, I get so excited because sometimes when we talk about the blood of Jesus, 
we only look at maybe one aspect of how powerful the blood of Jesus is. Maybe the only thing we think about is redemption or salvation from sin. And that obviously is the large part of what Jesus did. But it's not the only thing Jesus did through his blood. And as I started to meditate on that, I realized there are many blessings that are found inside the blood of Jesus. It's not just a one-faceted blessing of freedom from sin. And I'm very thankful I'm not on my way to hell today. Hallelujah. I'm thankful I'm on my way to heaven. As I preached last night, Jesus is coming soon. And when he comes, I'm going to be ready to see him. Amen. I know you're ready to see him as well. As I told him, if you're not ready, you can be ready by the end of this service. We'll give you an opportunity. But I know that we're living in the final moments of time. I preached on that last night. If you missed it, you can go back and, and check it out. But Jesus is coming soon. But that makes me even more thankful for the blood that was shed. You know, I, I'm blown away by the Bible. That's, I could speak on, literally, I could take time and speak on the Word of God as my topic for weeks. It's my favorite subject. I, I, I'll tell you, I told somebody, if I wasn't a full-time minister where I'm preaching and active in pulpit ministry, I could very easily move somewhere to, to a university and literally just spend my life examining uh, and, and translating manuscripts of the Bible. It's one of my favorite things, how God did what he said and preserved his word through the ages. He preserved his word. Literally, there's nobody, they hated the word of God. They tried to remove it. Do you know there's been many people that have tried and tried to erase God's word from the earth, but you can't because God said, I'll preserve my word. It will never pass away. Hallelujah. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. Literally, it's so powerful that there's no wicked force that can erase God's word. You think about it. For those people that thought that, you know, that think the church is in trouble and all that. If the church was truly in trouble, if the devil truly had the power to stop the church, he would have done it in the first 300 years of Christianity where it was still a death sentence to be a Christian wherever you went. But he couldn't stop it then, and he can't stop it now. Hallelujah. And the word of God can't be erased or eradicated from the earth. For Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Glory to God. Do you know, if you look back through antiquity, the manuscripts of the New Testament blow every other historic document away. We have more manuscripts and fragments of the New Testament that have been found than any other document in antiquity by far. And the next, the next uh, in line, the number two, the, the manuscripts that they have were found 500 years after the original writing. We can go all the way back to the first and second century with the manuscripts and fragments we have in the New Testament. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. People that are scholars that study these things, not even Christians. I mean, just scholars who study writings from antiquity. They look at the biblical writings and they're blown away. And they say, we have a wealth of riches when it comes to manuscripts. Why? Because God preserved his word. They couldn't erase it. You know, there's people that say, well, you know, the Bible was just changed down through the ages. It would be impossible for anyone to have altered the scripture. You say, how, how can you say that? Because when the New Testament was being written and then started being copied by the churches, you know what they'd do? They would 
travel to Galatia. And they say, what, what letters do you have? Well, I've got Paul's letter to the Colossians, and I have his letter to the Thessalonians. All right, let us copy them. And at that church, they'd make tons and tons of copies and then distribute it out to all the other churches. And then they'd make copies and distribute it out to all the other churches. And the, the letters were going all over the world very, very quickly. So if somebody was going to sneak in and add some false doctrine to the Bible, you know, there's people that are so foolish, they have no logical mind. They think that somewhere along the line, someone came in and added the doctrine of the deity of Christ, that really Jesus never claimed to be God, and, you know, the disciples didn't think he was God. That's something Paul taught later, and, you know, they entered that into Scripture later. If, do you know, if they were going to do that, they would have had to find every single manuscript that had ever been copied. What, are we killing this microphone already? I'll take yours. I've preached it out already. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, they would have had to find every last manuscript that was ever copied all around the world and have included that false doctrine. Do you know many of those manuscripts weren't found until hundreds and hundreds of years later? Do you know many of them were under lock and key and armed guard being guarded could not have been taken? So you'd have had to find every last one, and then you'd have to put it back where you found it, and then on top of that, your penmanship would have had never been noticed. Impossible. The things that we have are from God, and it's so powerful that the devil hates the mighty word of God. He hates the word of God, but he can't stop it because the word of God is unstoppable. Hallelujah. Did you know the Bible says in Psalm 138 and verse 2, that God has magnified his word above his name. That right there will make you shout because the name of God is so powerful. In fact, did you know in Philippians 2, God gave Jesus a name that's above every other name, that at that name, every knee has to bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. I like that. Because that means angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. But it's not just angels that are bowing down to the name of Jesus. He said, in heaven and on earth. Do you know by the time we get to the end, that means every knee will bow. That means not just Christian knees will bow. Atheist knees will bow. Muslim knees will bow. Hindu knees will bow. Buddhist knees will bow. New age knees will bow. Every knee will bow. But not just on the earth under the earth. That means every demon has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus Christ. But it's not just about the knee being bowed. And every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. If you're thankful he's Lord, say amen. And he's not just Lord, but he's alive today and seated on the throne. He's at the right hand of the Father. What's he doing? He's making intercession for you and for me, praying for us. And he's preparing a place for us. I can't wait to see what he prepared for me. Hallelujah. I can't wait to see. One thing I know is that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of any man the things God has prepared for those that love him. That means that God's got some things prepared for you. Nobody's ever seen the likes of it before. 
Nobody's ever heard of such a thing. Nobody's ever imagined such a thing. It's going to blow your mind to see what God has prepared for you. And the power of Christ's blood. This got me so stirred up today. The power of Christ's blood. Do you know, God, I preached a little bit of this last night. When God wanted to redeem the world, what did he do? He took his eternal word and put it into a flesh body and sent him down to the earth. Jesus is the word made flesh who dwelt among us. If you ever hear somebody talking about Jesus was not God, that's heresy. Because if he wasn't God, you're not redeemed of your sins. If he was just some good prophet, if he was just some good teacher, if he just had some principles that will make our life better, then we're still in sin, we're still dead and on our way to hell. But no, he was God in the flesh. He was a sinless man. There was no guile found in his mouth. His blood was sinless. So when it was poured out on the cross, it was something that he gave that was qualified to redeem you from every sin. If you're thankful, somebody said, amen thank you Jesus I heard one preacher preaching on the blood of Jesus he said Jesus blood was in his body for the purpose of being poured out for the purpose of being poured out and his blood was trying to get out of his body so hard that it started in the garden of Gethsemane as he was praying he began to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Why? His blood was trying to get out. His blood was trying to redeem you from sin. He was made to be broken. He was made to be broken. I'm thankful for it. Can you imagine me praying that prayer? Lord, if there's any other way from the flesh to the spirit, not my will, but your will be done. I take some serious faith to sacrifice and say, Lord, not what I want, but what you want. And he did. He went to the cross. I love what the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2. You know, Jesus not only went to the cross, but when he went there, he took your penalty and my penalty and put it on his own body. I want you to say this with me. Say this, the cross was enough. Say that again, the cross was enough. reason I say that, there's some Pentecostal charismatic believers that think Jesus had to go to hell and suffer in hell. and We weren't fully saved until he was done suffering in hell and then he had to get saved and born again and come back to being God's son. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus, in fact, Jesus didn't go to the suffering place in hell. If you actually listen to the words he spoke on the cross, he told the thief to his side where he was going. He said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Thanks for all the shouts. He told him where he's going. Did the devil, I've heard preachers, the devil dragged him off that cross and dragged him down into hell. No. Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The devil didn't have authority over Jesus. Didn't drag his soul to suffer in hell. No. No, he went to paradise and he committed his spirit to the Father's hands. Amen. That's important. 
Because that's why I had you say, the cross was enough. The cross was enough. Let me tell you why I believe that. It's Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. Listen to what the Bible says. I'll actually read to you uh, verses 13 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. This is the New Living Translation. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Verse 14, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by doing what? Nailing it to the cross. Hallelujah. Verse 15, in this way, he disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities and shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Where was his victory? His victory was not in just the resurrection. He won the victory on the cross. Hallelujah. I said he won the victory on the cross. Oh, yeah. Canceled the penalty that was charged against you by shedding his blood on the cross of Calvary. There's powers and in the blood. There's power. You know, if you go to these new church growth seminars and stuff, what they want these younger preachers to preach, well, don't preach too much scripture. People can't identify with it. Just read a half of a verse and tell a lot of stories. Don't talk about the blood. It might freak visitors out. This is the kind of stuff that they advise people. Don't ask questions like, how many of you are glad you're washed in the blood? Because visitors might think that this church washes people in blood. I'm telling you, they want to get rid of the cross. They say, don't put crosses up. It's gruesome. Don't put that up. It freaks people out. Don't. So, so what? They don't want us to have pictures of the cross. They don't want us to talk about the blood. They don't, they don't want us to read the word of God. What do you want us to do? Become a social club where we just get together and network and have coffee breaks? No. This is a thing that caused us to be redeemed. The cross, the blood, God's word. It's what set us free. It's what took us from death unto life. It's the thing that allows us to spend eternity in heaven with God. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the blood. And I'm thankful for God's word. How many you're thankful to? And there are things that we find in the blood of Jesus that are treasures. They're treasures. And of course, redemption has got to be mentioned first. Redemption, powerful, turning. I mean, think about it. It's resurrection for every single person who receives it. It's resurrection for everybody. You go from death unto life. Though you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, he raised you up together and seated you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Used to be dead, now I'm alive. Used to be dead, now I'm alive. It's a different life now, baby. Used to be dead, now I'm alive. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. And you know what I like? When you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says, if any man, now that's generic, anthropos, if any man, that's man or woman, be in Christ, he or she is, a new creation. Watch. Old things are passed away. That's dead. And all things. I like the King James. Watch this. It said, and behold, all things. 
have become new. <laughs> we don't use that word behold very much anymore. <laughs> I told people, I'm going to start using it when I walk into a room again. I was like, behold. <laughs> you know, when people used to climb a mountain and get to the top, you could see that vista. When you got to the peak, those explorers that behold. Take a look at that view. Look at everything that we've just discovered, things nobody's ever seen before. Behold. It means take a look. Take a look. Inspect it for yourself. That's what Paul the Apostle is writing. Take a Corinthian church. He's saying old things are passed away. They're dead. And behold. Take a look. Inspect yourself. All things have become new. Hallelujah. Everything is new. I said everything is new. Glory to God. Everything is new. You know, when God does something miraculous in your life, it'll turn things around that you thought there was no answer to what you were dealing with, what you were going through. God will turn it around so swiftly that what looked like it used to be impossible to come to pass, it'll come to pass, and God will be the only one that can get the glory. My father was preaching one time a revival, and there was this lady who was so faithful. She came every night. But her husband did not want her coming to church. And he was a, a violent drunk. And he'd come home and say, you ain't going back to church. I'm going. We have revival. And he'd beat his wife. He'd beat her. And uh, she'd come with fresh bruises. Of course, she'd try to cover it up with concealer, but he'd beat her. And uh, she, she couldn't take it anymore. One, one uh, of those nights during that revival, my father was getting ready to preach, and he saw the doors of the church open in the back. And one of the men that attended the church was an, a police officer. Walked in full outfit and had that woman in handcuffs covered in blood because her husband had gone to beat her again that night and she grabbed a pair of scissors and just started stabbing him in the stomach and in the chest. Rushed him off to the ICU and she's on her way to jail. But the arresting officer was the man from the church that went to church with her. And he said, before I take you to jail, I'm taking you to Brother Shuttlesworth. He's going to pray for you. And so he said, he motioned for my father to come to the back. And she's back there covered in blood. And my father prayed that God would turn the situation around and do something supernatural to not only restore that family, but to bring them both into the place of unity in the body of Christ. And they went back, and so the officer had to take her and take her down to the uh, station. But when they took her husband into the hospital, and he had the T-shirt on that covered in blood with all the puncture holes from the scissors, about eight puncture holes on the stomach and chest and they put him on the table and they took the scissors and cut that t-shirt off and when they opened it up and wiped the blood away there were no puncture holes in his body there was not one puncture hole in his stomach or they were wondering where all the blood came from there wasn't one puncture hole and because there were no puncture holes in his body there was nothing to charge her with at the station and the, the husband said though we had an altercation I'm not pressing any charges against my wife the next night they came back to the service both of them and came to the altar and gave their hearts afresh and anew to Jesus Christ I'm telling you we serve a God that makes the impossible possible he'll do the supernatural for you and for your family he'll turn situations around and I'm telling you he does it by the mighty blood of Jesus Christ that was shed and redemption belongs to us. I want to read you this verse of scripture from the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. The Bible says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Say it with me today, I'm redeemed. 
by the blood of the Lamb. Say it again, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Man, I could preach about that right there. Because if you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, then old things are passed away. You're not who you used to be. You're somebody brand new. Say, why is that so important? It's important because when you go to pray and get help from God, one of the biggest traps the devil uses to keep you from receiving answers to prayer is guilt and shame. Tries to remind you of who you used to be, what you used to do, and make you feel like you're unworthy to receive the goodness of God. Tries to make you feel like you're out of position to receive the blessings of heaven. That is something that comes from not fully understanding who you are in Christ. Because if you understand who you are in Christ, you know that you're not like they were in the Old Testament, that when they gave the atonement offering, the blood just covered their sins. It's like if you ever had to send your child to clean their room. Go clean your room. And they go in there and just pile everything in the closet or under the bed. They just kick it all under. Now, the mess is all still there. You just can't see it, right? If you open the closet door, you'll see it. If you look under the bed, you'll see it. Huh? Yeah, the mess is still there. It's just been covered up. That's what happened for Israel in the Old Testament. It's not that their sins were removed. All their mess was still there. It's just that that atonement offering was a covering for their sins, a covering for their sins, but the mess remained. That's why they had to keep on giving atonement offering after atonement offering, forgiveness after forgiveness, but the mess was still there. But that's not what we have in the New Testament. We don't have one offering that came, and now the blood of Jesus is just covering our sin. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we have the remission or the removal of sin. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. The Bible says God told them, there's coming a day that I will remove their transgressions, their iniquities from them, as far as the east is from the west. I will infinitely remove them from their life. I'll happy he doesn't even remember forgetfulness to be remembered no more. Aren't you happy he doesn't even remember your sin anymore? He doesn't even remember your sin anymore. But see, the devil is a master at reminding you of past mistake after past mistake. That's why the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. Amen. That includes the cistern. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. He will accuse you of sin after sin, stuff you used to be, who you used, how you used to act. And the, I always tell people this. Here's a good rule of thumb. Stop remembering what God can't even remember. Stop remembering what God can't even remember. God's not up in heaven stewing about the things you did 20 years ago or 20 days ago. If you're forgiven of your sin, you have full redemption and you've got full remission of sins. It's been removed from your life. And today, you stand righteous before God. You stand holy before God. And because you do, because you do, now you can boldly approach the throne of grace. That's how we're supposed to pray. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible says that now we can boldly approach the throne of grace. 
Mm. I don't go. You know, it's funny. When you have relationship with somebody, you can just ask them for something. You don't ask somebody for something if you don't have relationship with them in the same way. For example, there's things you'll do for your children you won't do for everybody else. Amen. And when you have relationship, it gives you the power to ask. I was laughing because my son, he was with me, and he was like, watching me get blessed in a service. And I wasn't speaking, but I was attending, and the the minister called me out, prayed for me, and I'm getting prayed for. And we got a picture of it. My son's leaning forward on the front row with a big smile on his face, watching his dad get prayed for, and just he's so happy to see me get blessed. And I'm just on my knees getting prayed for, and his big smile on the back. And uh, when I got back to my seat, it so moved him. You think about that, seven years old. It so moved him. He said, Dad, I want to give an offering. I said, really? He said, yeah. What do you got? Let me see. <laughs> I pulled out some cash. I said, okay. Giving from my, my stash, huh? Yeah, let me get an offering. I, wanna, I feel like giving. I said, all right. So we're sitting on the front row. So I, I opened it up. And uh, I handed him a $20 bill, and he saw that there was 100 in there. He said, no, no, I feel like giving big. I need something. <laughs> he wasn't satisfied with the 20. He said, I, give me the 100. I feel like giving big tonight. I said, all right. It made me happy, though, to see that he had not just a heart to give to God, but a heart to do something big for God, to do something big. But I also noticed he didn't have any issue asking me for the money. He had no issue. He didn't say, now, Dad, now I know I don't work a job and have no way to repay you, and I know I've not always been the most obedient son, and I know there's many times that I've just, you know, fought with my sisters and caused them to scream, but, you know, though though I've not always been perfect, Dad, I do that. No. He didn't come to me with guilt and shame. He just approached the Father and said, I know you've got the resource. I'm just going to ask you to give it to me. Glory to God. He didn't say, now I know I haven't done any chores for this, but I'm just going to ask you for that $100 bill. No, he just knew, here's my dad. I got a relationship with him. I'm going to just ask him for something. I'm just going to boldly ask him. And trust me, he boldly asked. He boldly asked. He said, don't don't give me that 20, give me the 100. He boldly asked. Why? He understood something was different. Now, I can guarantee you, he's not just walking up to people in the lobby and saying, let me get a $100 bill if you've got one on you. No. Because it's different with his dad than it is with some random person. He said, I can feel a relationship with my dad that's different than with anybody else. So he had no hesitation to ask me for what he wanted. Even though he didn't earn it. Even though he'd done no chores. Even though whatever it might be. But he said, no, I'm going to ask him anyway. Because I've got a relationship with him that allows me entrance into what he has for me. Is that not only are we redeemed from sin but it put us into relationship with God. And if we have relationship with God, we should be able to boldly approach the throne of grace to find mercy and help in the time of need. Why? Because now we understand he's the one that redeemed me. And if he redeemed me, he's forgotten my sin. And he's made me a new person. And if I'm a new creation in Christ, I've got relationship with Jesus. And if I've got relationship Relationship with Jesus, then I've got a covenant with God. And if I've got a covenant, then I've got the blessing. Somebody say amen to that. And the blood of Jesus gives us relationship. 
we can now boldly approach. From this day forward, never again let guilt and shame keep you out of the presence of God. There's people that have, I've heard people talk like this. Oh, brother, I wouldn't, I couldn't just go to church. Man, I'm going to tell you, stuff I've done, if I walked in there, God probably strike me dead. That's how people think about God, like he's up in heaven holding a lightning bolt just waiting for you to step in the doors of a church. Oh, go ahead and try coming to my house, see what I'll do to you. That's not who God is. He's a loving heavenly father, knows how to give good gifts to those that ask him. He's not up there looking to take you out. <laughs> I wish you would try to walk into the lobby. I might catch you before you pull in the parking lot. God's not, and people have this idea, like you've done too much, you've committed too much to the point where you're at the point of no return, oh, if you knew what I'd been through in my life, it don't matter what you've been through, it don't matter where you came from, doesn't matter which side of the tracks you grew up on, I don't care how it was before, you have a Jesus who his blood is sufficient to wipe away every sin, to start you afresh and anew, and to put you on track and in covenant with the Most High God. You have relationship. I said, you have relationship. Somebody say, I have relationship with Jesus Christ. And because we have relationship, that means we can ask. We can ask. He said, up until now, you've asked the Father nothing in my name. But now, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he'll do it for you. Oh, yeah, he'll do it for you. In another portion, John 16, he said this, Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Do you want, want to know one of the ways God continues to put joy into your life? By answering your prayers. Whew. Answering your prayer. Can I encourage you, since you know you got relationship, start asking bigger. Start asking bigger. I always encourage people, whatever, whatever level you're asking God to bless you at or do things for you in your life, take it to another level. Say, why do you tell them that? Because when you understand that you serve a God that, as we quoted, now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly and above. You know, abundantly is good. Exceeding abundantly is very good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When it overflows, it's on another level. Exceeding abundantly. That's why I went to this. I that's why, for me, I like eating. You know, if somebody's Italian or Puerto Rican, I like eating dinner at their house. I <laughs> said, so why? Because they feed you on a different kind of level. I remember the first time, first time I ever went to, to an Italian Sunday dinner. Actually, I remember the first time I ever went to an Italian wedding, and they had the food coming out. I was hungry. I had saved my appetite because somebody told me, it's going to be good, brother. You just wait and see. So I get in there, and, and I'm, I'm just waiting, and the food starts coming out. And I mean, they're bringing all this antipasta out, and it was everything you can imagine, cheeses and salamis and prosciutto and all this different stuff and salad and all that. And I'm thinking, man, this is good. Fresh meat and cheese and salad. I'm just loading up, and I'm just tearing it up, you know, eating like crazy. People look, looking at me like I'm insane because I didn't realize this is just the first of many courses. I'm eating it like it's the dinner, you know. I'm just tearing it up. And I'm like, look, they're looking at me like I'm nuts. And then next, out came the pasta. 
And I was like, oh, here, oh, I was like, okay, here's the real dinner. I was like, that was appetizer. All right. So I'm loading up on the lasagna and the baked ziti and the spaghetti, and the, I'm going after it and just eating. People, again, they're looking at me like, dude, we have an endless stomach or something like, you know, they think I'm a bust, you know, and then I'm just tearing it up, just eating and eating and eating, not realizing the meats come out next. So here comes all the big meatballs and the steaks and the sausages and all that stuff. I thought, thank you, Jesus. I launched into that, started eating that. Before I, then they got more stuff coming at the end. Then there's whole big desserts, and then there's a coffee, and then there's cheeses and berries. And it's like everything under the sun. I didn't realize it, but that, you better believe that was a day my cup was overflowing. <laughs> I was eating, and I kept on eating. And then if you don't eat, they're offended you're not eating. What are you doing? Manja, eat, eat, eat. He's like, well, I just, I just ate. You know, keep eating. A problem. I worked on all this food. Eat, keep eating. It's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it was, to be honest, it was a meal worth going to the grave for. So I'll tell you, I just kept on going. I just kept on going. Yeah. Abundance. Overflow. I tell people, ask God for bigger. Why? Because he's not a small God. He doesn't do small things. He's not only all-powerful. He is all-sufficient. Hallelujah. He's all-powerful, but he's all-sufficient. He's able to do what you need him to do. There's nothing impossible with God, but watch. There's nothing hard for God. Uh, for years, I heard preachers say, there's nothing too hard for God. No, no. There's just nothing hard, period. It's not too hard. The moment you say too hard, you're talking about levels of difficulty. Well, it's not too hard for God. He can still do it. No, nothing's hard. Everything's easy for the God you serve. It doesn't matter if it's a cold or cancer. Everything's easy for the God you serve. I said everything's easy for the God you serve. Oh, yes, it is. And the blood of Jesus has opened up the way. He not only forgave you. He not, even, not only gave you relationship with him, but number three, he gives you access to healing in your body. Whew. Somebody thankful for healing in this place. By a showing of your hands, how many God's ever healed you in your lifetime? You've had healing. Look at how many hands have been up. God's a healer. We serve a healing Jesus. One of God's covenant names, even in the Old Testament, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals you. He's the God that heals you. Healing is one of his personality traits. It's not just something he does. It's who he is. That's why one of his names describes and defines him as God, your healer. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. Hallelujah. He, he doesn't just provide. He's a provider. It's not just, hallelujah, it's not just what he does. It's who he is. Oh, man. I was just reading a book the other day talking about they, um, they started doing uh, studies to see if people would become more cooperative or if you could get people to do things by the way you spoke. If your words change your words and it would change how people interacted with you. And they found out that one of the things that actually changed how people responded to your request was if you changed a verb to a noun. You say, what do you mean by that? Instead of asking them to do something, asking them to become something. So what does that mean? It's like they were asking the little child to help with the dishes. Instead of saying, would you help? That's a verb. Would you help with the dishes? They'd say this, would you be a helper and do this for me? What does that do? It transfers from you. I just want you to do a task. This becomes an identity. I want you to become something. Oh, man. 
I want you to become something. I want it to become part of your identity. Will you be? If you're talking to a child, I want you to listen. No, will you be a listener? Will you be a listener and, and hear what I'm saying to you? And it changes from telling them to do a task to become something, to become an identity, who you are, who you are. You know, they did a study for people that were trying to quit smoking cigarettes. You know what they found out? As they studied the way that people who successfully were able to quit cigarettes, they found there was a main difference between people who tried and got back on, tried and got back on, is that when the people who had tried to quit that kept going back to cigarettes again, when they were offered cigarettes, their answer would be, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. But the people who successfully did not go back to it, they changed it to an identity. I'm not a smoker. Glory to God. Even though they were in the midst, even though they were in the midst of trying to quit, they changed their identity. I'm not going to have a cigarette, not because I'm trying to quit, because I'm not a smoker, man. And it changes your whole identity. You become, you're talking about yourself as if you are something else than what you are. One guy said, I was trying for years to get my diet right. And he said, I just couldn't stop eating all the junk. I couldn't stop getting past the place. I was always overweight. And he said, I could never do it. He said, then I changed my mindset. He said, I started calling myself an athlete. He said, though I'm not playing for any sports team, though I don't compete in any bodybuilding tournaments, he said, I just call myself an athlete. And then when I was offered food or I had an option, I'd say, well, an athlete doesn't eat like that. An athlete doesn't have that. What is he doing? Changing the identity of who he is. Change it. See, because when you have an identity, it brings vision to your life. It brings parameters to your life. And see, it's not just what God does. It's who he is. It's his identity. It is his parameter. I won't just heal from time to time. I am a healer. Hallelujah. I won't just provide from time to time. I'm your provider. It's not just what I do. It's who I am. Somebody shout amen to that. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. And that identity is so powerful because he gave us access to it. He said, and even to the Old Testament, children of God, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. I am the God that heals you. Yeah. But you know what's great? We're under a better covenant established upon better promises. If he did it back then, He'll do it right now. Don't tell me that God would do better things for his Old Testament children than he'll do for us right now. Absolutely not. No. He is given us a better covenant established upon better promises. Hebrews 8, 6. And I'm going to tell you something. Because we've got it better, whatever you saw manifested in the Old Testament, we've got better coming to us in the new. In Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus gives us access to divine healing. Doesn't matter what it is you need. Many of you probably heard the testimony of my daughter Madeline, maybe of my daughter Brooklyn, but Madeline, they told her she had a heart disease, a blood disease, told her she'd have heart problems for the rest of her life, told her that she'd be on blood medication and heart medication the rest of her life. This was when she was about two years old. Hospital sitting around. You won't be able to exert yourself. You can't run. You can't play sports. You can't do what other kids do. 
And my wife and I got mad. It's all right to get mad. You can get wholly mad. That's why the Bible says, be angry and sin not. It's not a sin to be angry. You can be angry, and you can have a righteous anger. Oh, yeah, you think Jesus was happy when he flipped the tables over in the temple? <laughs> Wonderful to see everybody today. <laughs> he was angry, but he never sinned. <laughs> you think he was happy when he braided his own whip on the temple steps and beat those men out of the temple? <laughs> see you later, John. <laughs> Adios, Bill. He was angry, but he didn't sin. He didn't sin. And I got angry. Why was I getting angry? That the devil was attacking my child. My wife got angry. Why? Devil attacking our child. At the time, she was our only child. She's running around taking pictures today. Maddie's 13 today. Not today. I mean, she's 13 years old now. It's not her birthday. <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. She got upset. I said, we're going to fast and pray. I'm going to lay hands on this girl. We're going to anoint her with oil. And we laid hands on that lifeless body on that table. She just couldn't, so worn out. She just had tear running down her side of her face. She said, Daddy, don't let him hurt me anymore. She was literally, they're trying to stick her, could never find a vein, always sticking her, sticking her, sticking her. And she didn't have any strength to move. You just hear the heart monitor, you know. I laid hands. She laid hands. We commanded that disease to leave the heart, leave the blood. Then the doctor came back. He said, we have to do more blood tests. And he did it three times. Each time he brought more people with him, checked the machines. They're trying to figure out what's going on. I knew God was moving. Yeah. By the end, he pulled us aside. He said, i got to tell you, I don't know how to explain this. We can't find any trace of the blood disease or the heart problem. So I have to send her home. We need the bed. I have to send her home with a clean bill of health. And they told us from that day that there was nothing wrong with her. Now, of course, you know how it is. Well, we don't know. It could come back, you know, so we want you to keep your eye on it. But I'll tell you, just months after that, months after, remember what they told us? She'll never run. She'll never exert herself. It'll always be hurt. We went to a Holy Ghost meeting in Louisiana, and I'm sitting in the back, and the power of God was moving in that church, hundreds of people there, and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost hit at one time, and hundreds of people jumped out of their seat and took off running around the church as they felt the Holy Ghost move. And I'm just worshiping, you know, in the back. And all of a sudden, I feel this little hand pull me, and it's my daughter. And she felt the Holy Ghost. She took off running around the church, and she pulled her dad with her. And off she ran. And she, I don't know, she couldn't understand it back then, but it resonated in my spirit. They told her she'd not run, she'd not exert herself, she'd not be able to, but she ran around that church multiple times. When the devil said, you can't do it twice. Hallelujah. But why? Because we serve a God. He's not just able to heal you. It's who he is. He's your divine healer. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout aloud, amen. Now let me give you this before we, before we take communion today. Not just healing, but I want to say this. You have authority over the devil by the blood of Jesus. Authority over the devil and every wicked spirit. Why? The blood of Jesus gave you authority. Redemption gave you authority. You know what I love? That when Jesus cried out and gave up the ghost on the cross, that veil that was in the Holy of Holies that separated all men from the power of God, it was torn in half. But the Bible says from top to bottom. I always wondered if you can't go in there, how'd they know how it was torn? 
I thought maybe God left a little piece connected at the bottom just to let you know. You didn't tear this open from earth to heaven. I tore it open from heaven to earth. I'm the one that did the tearing. I released my spirit out to all men and all women. And when he released that anointing, it wasn't just a priest that could go into the holy place. Every person who had relationship with Jesus had access to the power of God and gave us power over the devil, power over demon spirits. I remember hearing Dr. Lester Sumrall. How many remember that name, Dr. Lester Sumrall? What a powerful man of God he was, like literally a missionary apostle around the world. And uh, he was overseas one time preaching and felt demonic resistance uh, as he was holding a crusade. And he went in, and he was in his hotel room, and as he was in there, a demonic presence began to manifest in his hotel room. And he said, I was sitting there in my bed, and he said, all of a sudden, my windows were shut. They weren't even open, but the curtains began to blow like there was a wind blowing through the window, and the window was shut. And he said, my curtains are just blowing. He said, and then my bed began to vibrate in my hotel room. And he said, it vibrated so hard, it vibrated off the wall about three feet. And he said, as I felt that demonic presence manifested, I got angry. I said, devil, get out of here in Jesus' name. He said, as soon as I said it, boom, the bed stopped vibrating and the curtains fell back against the wall. He said, and I looked around. He said, my bed was like three feet off the wall. He said, I got ticked off. I said, devil, get back in here. And he said, that vibration started again and that, that blowing. He said, put that bed back against the wall. And he said, it moved right back where it started. He said, now get out of here. Hallelujah. Tells that story in his, in his life story. Yeah. If you've never heard the story when he had revival in the Philippines, the, 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 he put a mini book out about it called Bitten by Devils. It's all documented. There was a, a girl in jail that she wasn't even from the Philippines, but she was from another country. Her name was Maria Villanueva. And she was being bitten in her cell by unseen forces, leaving teeth marks on her body in places she couldn't bite herself, like her back and other parts of her body, sometimes leaving saliva. And she'd say, I see these figures come into my, come into my cell, and they bite me, and they harass me. And the guards would come and see fresh bite marks all over her body. And uh, the Lord was speaking to Dr. Sumrall. And Dr. Sumrall said, God, I'm asking you for revival in the Philippines. And right as he was praying that, he heard that story on the news on the radio. And the Lord said, this is your entrance to have revival in the nation. He said, go there and cast the devil out and set that girl free, and it's going to open the door for revival in the Philippines. And so he drove to that place, and that was all over the news. It was a huge story in the Philippines. And so he went there, and there was already a bunch of press and people that were there to take you know, pictures and take note, write articles. And so he goes into the jail and goes in, and it came back multiple days cast the devil he told the press he said you're not going to want to come in here he said if you're not saved filled with the holy ghost you probably want to wait outside like oh no we'll be all right you know they came in and here's a girl she didn't speak any english and when he walked in the demons spoke out of her in perfect english i know who you are man of god freaked them out they ran some of them ran out he said of the jail cell ran out i know who you are man of god yeah it's like i know who you are too devil and he cast the demon out of that girl, Maria Villanueva. And when he did, he said, now listen, the devil will always try to come back and harass you one more time. Because he got her saved after he cast the devil out. He said, but when the devil comes back to try to harass you, you say, no, you have no right over me. I'm been, I've been bought by the blood of Jesus, and I, I do, no longer belong to you. I belong to him. And then he left. And sure enough, she's in the cell, 
And that harassment comes at her again one more time. And she couldn't remember the thing that he told her to say. She couldn't remember what to say. And the guard outside her cell ran up and said, don't you remember what the preacher said? He said, say this. This is what he told you to say. And he reminded her. And she said it. And literally, those e that evil force left her cell, and she was totally free. When she got out, her and her husband, she got married later, her and her husband became vital members of the church he started. Well, the president came to Dr. Summerall and said, man, that was amazing what you did. Anything you want, we'll give it to you. He said, I'll tell you exactly what I want. I want to have access to the city square in Manila here in the Philippines to hold a revival as long as I want to hold a revival. He said, you've got it. You can take it. You can hold the revival. Thousands came, thousands were saved, and they launched a church right there in Manila in the Philippines that's still going today, pastored by his nephew, David Sumrall. Thousands of people attend the church out of one miracle that took place, one miracle that we have authority by the blood of Jesus Christ. It opened the door for thousands to be saved in the Philippines. I'm going to tell you, you've got that same authority today over every wicked force that would be launched against you now I'll say this because I'm getting ready in a moment we're going to receive this but and I want you to say it with me anything God commands he empowers say it again anything God commands he empowers so you say why does the laying on of hands work why can we lay hands on the sick why do we believe that it's not because anything about touching a hand to a forehead you can get a sinner to lay hands on people's foreheads all day long nothing's going to change Empty hands on empty heads. It's not going to work. Why does it work for those that are believers? Because God commanded it. Lay your hands upon the sick. It's a command. So if he commands it, he empowers it. Why does it work? That's why it works. Anything that we have as an ordinance from God in the, in the Scripture, it works because God commanded it. That includes the Lord's Supper. This was commanded by Christ. Commanded by Christ. Paul, there's more power... In church, talks even more about it. Now, I want you to understand something. There's more power in the communion meal than people realize. Far more power. It's not just some juice and a cracker. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Because when you do what God tells you to do, you know what's interesting? Paul said this to the Corinthian church. He said, you know, you're treating the Lord's Supper like it's a normal meal. Because back then when they used to do it, it was a full feast. They'd eat a full meal and everything. He said, you're treating it like it's a normal meal. And he said, as a result, many of you are sick and many die early. Think about that. Many are sick and many are die, die early. Why would there be a supernatural consequence for misappropriating the Lord's Supper if it wasn't a supernatural meal? The opposite must also be true, that if you do it as God said it, there must be power in this meal to touch your body. What God did through redemption in Christ, I believe, Saint, you know, the anointing with oil. We use anointing with oil. That's an ordinance. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church who will anoint them with oil and lay their hands upon them. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. James chapter 5. That's an ordinance. There's nothing special about oil. Or anybody that ever cooked with olive oil will be healed every meal you made it with. It's not about the olive oil, but it's about what you do in obedience to the word of God. Amen. There's a lot of ways to receive healing. You can lay hands on somebody. You can anoint them with oil. You can use a prayer cloth. You can speak the word. 
I mean, Jesus spit, and it was anointed. Peter used his shadow and let it pass over people. It was anointed. There's many ways you can receive it, but I believe we can receive the power of God by faith even as we receive the communion meal. There's power in this meal because of what it represents and because God commanded us to do it through Christ. The body of Jesus represented by the cracker that we have here. The body that was broken for us. You know, I never take this and eat it without first breaking it. I always do that as a remembrance. I remember when we used to travel with R.W. Shambach, he'd always have a big matzah cracker under the tent, and he'd take that. Everybody could learn that object lesson, and he'd put it on the microphone and just crunch it down. Just so everybody could hear. This is Christ's body that was broken for you. Broken. Beat him until he was unrecognizable to his own family members. He took that for us. There's power in this communion meal. And uh, I want Brother Eric to come back to the keyboard if he would. We're going to do it in just a moment. But here's what I'm believing today. I'm believing that if you have a need or you're believing for a miracle in your body, believing for a miracle in your family, that even as we receive this communion meal today, that God is going to touch you supernaturally that God's going to do in and through you what only he can do, what no man can do, what no doctor can do. If you have legal issues you're battling right now, what no lawyer can do, that God will do it supernaturally. Maybe you're believing for your family to be restored, what no counselor can do. You're believing for breakthroughs. Okay. He's a God of breakthroughs. Hallelujah. He's a God of breakthroughs. And so as we receive this today, we're thanking God that his blood is sufficient. Christ's blood is sufficient. Christ's body was sufficient. Amen. We're going to declare that in a moment. I'm going to pray for those of you that are here and ask God to do a supernatural work in your life. If you know that song, Oh, the Blood of Jesus, you don't know it. Do you know any of the hymns about the blood of Jesus? You can't play them? Just think of them while you're playing. Internally. <laughs> Praise God. Did, did you guys do the song God is so good the other night? Do you know that one? God is so good? Oh, it was the other team that did it. I see. Stand on your feet if you would all over this place. I know you've got the communion. If you don't have one and you need one, ushers will help you, but there should be already set out um, on the chairs, the elements. But before we do that, I want to pray this prayer because the Bible says we don't ever want to eat or drink unworthily. Now, that's two things. Number one, it could be that we don't properly discern what the body of Christ and the blood of Christ is, that we eat it like a normal meal, that we act like it's nothing. But on the other hand, if there's anything in your life that's holding you back from serving God, this is something that's done by those who are followers of Christ. And today, as I've been preaching, I've been giving you the gospel. If you're here and you say, you know what, Brother Ted, there are things in my life that are not right. I want to know today that I'm ready for heaven, that I'm ready to see Jesus when he comes. Don't allow the devil to take and harass your life anymore, not one day longer after today. Let this be the last day that the enemy can torment you and keep you locked in bondage, locked in invisible prison. No more. Let this be a day of freedom for you with every head bowed, 
every eye closed. You say, Pastor, that's me. I want to pray that prayer today and know every sin is forgiven. I want to know that I am in rightness today. Lift your hand and hold it high, and I'm going to see Jesus when he comes. If you need to pray that prayer before we receive this today, lift your hand and hold it high, and I'm going to pray it with you. Who is it? Yes, yes, yes. That's three of you. Four, five, yes. God bless you. God bless you. That's five of you. Is there anybody else that needs to pray this before we receive communion? Yes, sir. We're going to pray this prayer. I see you there in the back as well. We're going to pray this prayer. This is what the Bible says. We confess it with our mouth. What? Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. This is something that we do publicly. Why? Because camouflage altar calls produce camouflage Christians. And we can't leave a room and go out into the world and serve God boldly in a world full of people that don't want us to if we can't even say it out loud in a room full of people that want us to. Amen. God's looking for bold people that will not back up and retreat. He's looking for people that will press ahead and say, I'm going to serve Jesus no matter what it looks like in the world. No matter what the culture says, I'm serving Jesus. And so we're going to declare this by faith. We don't ever whisper it. We say it boldly. We say it with a loud voice. Because today we mean business. We're not moving back. So let's pray this together. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I ask you today, forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Give me power to live for you for the rest of my life. Until I die or until you come. I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe you raised him from the dead. And from this day forward, I'm your child. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to take this uh, communion in your hand. This peel the top and get your wafer. I want you to hold that in your hand, but I want you to take it and break it in half. I love hearing that sound anytime we do this. Body of Christ that was broken for you. Hallelujah. You know what I think about when I think about the body of Christ? Jesus could have just gone straight to the cross if he wanted to and just canceled the penalty of your sin. But he took a pit stop. He took a pit stop to take stripes on his back. Yeah, because he's not just interested in saving your soul from sin. He's also interested in healing your body. And by those stripes, you were healed. So there was an extra step in the redemption process to have his body broken for you. It wasn't just about the shedding of his blood. It was about the body being broken. That's why we not only take the, the, the juice, we take the bread as well, representative of that body broken for you. They striped his back. They put nails in his hands and feet, put a crown of thorns on his head, beat him till he couldn't be recognized, put that spear through his side, Blood and water poured out. His body was completely broken for us. And because it was, because it was, we have healing. We have deliverance. We have breakthroughs through the body of Christ that was broken for us. Can you say amen to that? So, Father, today we thank you for the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you 
that the body of Christ was broken so that we don't have to be broken, so that we don't have to be hurt, so that we don't have to walk in sickness and disease, so that we don't have to walk in these issues that would bog us down, that we don't have to go from crisis to crisis. Body was issue that we can walk in supernatural freedom every single day because your body was broken for us. Today we give you thanks and we give you praise that your body was broken. And today, we receive this by faith. And that anybody, I ask you today, Lord, that's battling in their physical body, sickness or disease, they've been going through it. I ask you, Lord, today, as we receive this meal, the Lord's Supper, let healing virtue flow through their body today in the mighty name of Jesus. I take authority over every sickness. I take authority over every disease, every attack against your hearing, your vision, every attack against your joints, your organs. And I command you to receive healing today in your body by the power of the Holy Ghost in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, go ahead and receive that today. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says in the same way he took the cup. This is the blood of the covenant. Couldn't be more thankful for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus. Saved today because of the blood of Jesus. On your way to heaven. Some of you. Maybe you were one of those who people thought, man, they'll never get saved. Maybe they're, they're, they'll, uh, they're wild. They're, they'll never come to church. They're, maybe they thought that about you. But here you are today, serving the Lord. And when others said it was impossible, God made it possible because of the blood of Jesus Christ. If the devil would have had his way, he'd have killed you already. But you can't be killed before your time. Hallelujah. And here you are to give God thanks and praise for his goodness today. Some people don't even know what it took to get you here. You've come through the fire and the flood. You've come through every attack of the devil. And they don't even know why you praise like you do and worship like you do. But it's because if they knew what God brought you through, if they knew what it took to get you here today, they'd be praising like that too. Because you've got a thanksgiving that's in your heart. You've got a praise that's in your heart for how good God has been to you. And today we lift up uh, this cup and we say thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus Christ. We say thank you, Lord, for shedding that blood on Calvary's cross. And today as we receive this, we thank you and we ask you, even those in our families that may not yet be serving the Lord, give us household salvation this year. Let us come to the end of the year and see every one of our loved ones is in the kingdom serving God. Lord, we refuse to give our loved ones and friends to the devil. We declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, and we give you all the praise and the glory today. Receive the cup today. Hallelujah. Now just lift your hands, if you would, and begin to thank God. Begin to thank him for his goodness. Begin to thank him for his mercies over your life. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for touching our, lo our loved ones. Thank you for touching us. Thank you that you're turning things around. 
right now we thank you you're touching the United States of America. We thank you, Lord, that you're blowing your breath of revival through all 50 states and the minor outlying territories of this nation. We thank you that America shall be saved in Jesus' name. I take authority over every anti-Christ attack that's been launched against America. And today we declare it again and again and again. America shall be saved. We thank you that the gospel will be preached. Lord, I pray you'd light revival fires in every one of these states. Let it burn so brightly that they won't be able to ignore your power moving through this nation in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Today I give you praise and I give you glory for your goodness and your mercy toward us. We thank you that it's never ending and it's new every morning and your faithfulness is great. Hallelujah. So Lord, before Jesus comes, do such a mighty work. Do such a mighty work that it would blow the minds of natural men, that it would thwart every antichrist plan. We give you thanks and praise for all you're doing today. We declare you are great and greatly to be praised. And if you believe that today, clap your hands and give Jesus all the praise. Hey. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Man, that was a wonderful, wonderful time of communion. I want to just leave you with this. Number one, I, I dread drinking out of these what I call COVID cups. We put these in because of COVID. They taste horrible, but mine tasted really good this morning. And I felt like that was the sweetness of how good God is. He's good in your life. You know, um, Pat, Brother Ted and Sister Carolyn, they'll do like communion shows. January, like that. When do you do those? Your miracle one, the communion. You do that like at the beginning there. Your yeah, you were doing communion. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're doing communion. Elizabeth and I are tuning in for that, and uh, they were they were asking us to pray. Elizabeth and I that month had had a dream that we got a house. So you know what we did? We we sowed in faith, believing that God would fulfill that dream. After we took communion, I'm happy to tell you, about a year and a half later, we got that house. And my wife is a very happy lady. I'm knee-deep in a project, but she's very happy. And I tell you, there's just something about like precious faith. I have found that there's certain things that move my heart to give, and I know if you're moved by the Lord this morning, this would be a great opportunity to give. You can make a check at Bethany Church. You can give online. You can put all the stuff up there, BethanyLinks.com. You can text. You can find ways to give with credit cards. You can give cash, whatever you'd like to do. But I want to do something different today. If you grab that basket right there. When Ted's here, we've been bringing it up to the front. We have this habit of bringing it in the back. But, you know, sometimes it's good to rock the boat. So if the Lord puts something on your heart, I just would like you to make out an offering and uh, believe that God is going to meet your needs. Amen? Amen. Let's just take a moment and pray. Father, I thank you for speaking to every person here. Lord, what you put in our hearts, I thank you for the things that you've placed there. We said last night the laborer is worthy of his wages. So, Father, I thank you for this ministry, where it's going. And I just thank you for stirring people's hearts and minds as to what they give. And I pray it would multiply, pressed over, shaken together in goodness in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. So if you feel led to give, you can get up here, and we'll take them in the back, too, if you want. But we love you. We'll be back here at 7 o'clock tonight. We're having a great time. You can come down here and give... Brother Teddy, a big kiss. He loves kisses. He's immune to germs. I love you all very much. We'll catch you later.